your family name is my legacy to you. I got it from my father, and he got it from his father, and he traded a mule for it. And that mule went on to save spring break. Let's go. And coming at you from the basement of the basement of WCPTA 20 Chicago, this is the Sports Cubicle. The inmates run the asylum and our boss, well, he's going to yell us on Monday morning because we're working overtime. What's going on, Paulatius? How's it going, Devin? Pretty well, because I know you can't even sort of say you predicted the Super Bowl this year. No, you're right. I was I was way off about it. Even when uh, I did the playoff preview with you guys, like I, after the divisional round, I was done. All I predicted was the loser right in the divisional round. I'll take my small win. Hey, congratulations, though. It was a good Super Bowl, wasn't it? Very good Super Bowl. Very high scoring. I mean, except for the end with that ref, uh, you know, a little bit of a controversial call there. And, of course, you know, the last two minutes were a little bit boring Is that's when, you know, Andy Reid's being a good coach and running out the clock. What the hell is wrong with you trying to win a game the right way? I thought thought it was on brand for a, a 2022 season NFL game. You know, high scoring Good play all around. The better team won. I thought the Chiefs were just the more experienced team. Close, exciting, uh, controversial call at the end there, like you were saying. I I thought that we got the true winner. I thought that was a great representation of the season, how it culminates. I mean, would this be the NFL nowadays if there wasn't at least one controversial call? Right. It's better than that tuck rule you won't shut up about. <laughs> it doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> And, of course, Mike Mercado is going to take us through the NBA All-Star game. Did you see who won the dunk contest? Who? Mac McClung. White men can jump. And, of course, we got the uh, new MLB rule changes. And, of course, we got Mr. Baseball Weekend Journal and Mike Mercado. So, Mercado, take it away. Pitchers and catchers have reported, and so have we here on the Sports Cubicle. It's the marvelous one, Dan Marver. It's Devin Tingle. It's Paul Shivari. I'm Mike Mercado, and it has finally made it, even though the winter has made itself shown again here in the city of Chicago over this past few days. We do know that in Florida and Arizona, Major League Baseball has pitchers and catchers reporting. The Cubs and White Sox are in Arizona. It is an exciting time. Dakota has both teams at 77 wins and we will be talking about that all spring long all the rest of the spring training but on this edition on this segment on this conversation it is Paul Asian is Paul Shavari and myself, and I wanted to go over something that he and I have been arguing back and forth. We have talked about on different iterations of the Sports Cubicle, Sports from the Couch, the Baseball Weekend Journal, whether we've done podcasts, on all the rule changes that are coming to Major League Baseball. And I actually have a few of them highlighted that I wanted to run through with Paulie and just kind of get his reaction to some of these and see how much he thinks they are going to affect the viewership, how much is going to affect the play on the field and everything in between. Before we get to that, make sure you're following us on Twitter at SportsCubicleTV. We're on every Sunday night on WCPT 8, 20, 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. And make sure you're checking out the Heartland Signal website if you missed any one of these episodes or the SoundCloud over at WCPT 820. All right, Polly. So the shift is changing. Here's the new rule. At the time a pitch is thrown, all four infielders are required to be on the infield dirt or infield grass with two on each side of second base. Players will be able to move as soon as the ball leaves the pitcher's hand. Originally, infielders who began the game on one side of the field would not be allowed to switch to the other side for the entirety of the game. But that was revised to just each inning. So that's just a basic idea of the new chef rule, okay? Mm-hmm. We'll we'll come back to all these, whatever it, it piques your interest, but the pitch clock. The new rule, pitchers will have 15 seconds to throw a pitch with the bases empty and 20 seconds with a runner on base. Hitters will need to be in the batter's box with 8 seconds on the pitch clock. Bigger bases, the size of the bases will be increased from 15 inches to 18 inches. And position players pitching, teams will be more limited in when they can pitch a position player. The previous rule allowed them to use one when up or down by six or more runs. But the sides are discussing a tweak in which the leading team would have to be up by as many as 10 or more, while trailing team would have to be down by eight or more in order to pitch a position player. That's a lot, Paulie, 
but it's a lot of change as well. And I think some of it is good, some of it is nonsense, and I think some of it is just indifferent. Where do you land on some of these? Well, they've tested these out at the minor league level. And based on, I think, a thousand games, they said you've seen a noticeable difference in um, impact of, of the action in the game and the length of the game. Length, length of the game, I think, trimmed by like a half hour on average, and the action in the game increased. I guess my thing is I still have yet to see it kind of all play out, and that's what I'm excited about with like spring training games starting up about a week from now, where you're going to see this stuff in action. You know, the bigger bases, the the you know I I think I saw um, and I don't know how legit it is, but it's like uh, someone was uh, tweeting about the shift and how like they're going to move the left field over to right field and they're going to put the third base, and it's like yeah, of course things are going to happen like that. You know, ma- managers are going to manage, baseball is going to baseball. There's going to be ways that you're going to find competitive ways to give yourself an advantage while staying within the rule book. Life finds a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. life finds a way, but it's yeah. like, you know, will it feel like baseball is my question. When you watch it, you know, because it's like, I think years ago I was saying when they were talking about this stuff, I'm such a staunch purist that it's like, I don't want to see it. It's bad enough that there's DH. You know, like, it should, you know, oh, it should be unified. Well, okay, if anything, the pitchers should hit. And I hear that the weakest arguments are like, well, they spend too much money and it's, hey, that's not my fault. That's not my problem. That's a bad investment if you want to invest millions of dollars in something that breaks. Okay? Um, that That's the game you chose. Um, so it's got to feel like baseball to me if, if you know, and I'm going to watch it this year and kind of judge it on that. I think I'll always love the game, but I, I, I think I might be kind of deterred if it's not entertaining to me. At the same time, these things set themselves up to provide entertainment so that so it should still feel like a fun thing to watch and it won't take three or four hours of my life all the time at the same time i understand for league play 162 games you want to kind of not let it go into extra innings you want to limit the injuries you want to um give competitive advantages back to the hitter because that's one of the the offense is the exciting part of the game and of course, um, the more offense, the more time the the game's going to take. So you got to find ways to kind of work around that. I totally get all of that, but I don't want to see it in the playoffs, you know. And and I don't know. I haven't heard a straight answer on. I know some of these stuff, uh, some of these things won't be around for the playoffs. Like I I don't know about pitch clock exactly. I'd, I'd imagine shift. I would imagine some of that stuff like base size, uh, pitch clock, and shift are probably all in play. Um, but I don't know about the extra runner on second runner base. on second, and I know yeah. they they've made that official where it's like you know they, they said they were playing around with it and then it would disappear and then they just made the agreement that it's going to be forever a thing. I don't want to see that in the World Series. I also don't want to see the pitch clock determine a playoff game because think about that that scenario. You know, bottom of the ninth, tying runs on third, pitcher's trying to get his signs, he's going over it with his catcher. They're out of mound visits and they they take their sweet time on the full count, bases loaded and boom, the runs walked in on a walk-off pitch clock violation. How how awful would that be? I mean, I think that's worst case scenario. I think it's the equivalent of in the Super Bowl of they're going to call it when the clock strikes zero on the on the play clock. So to me, it's like sometimes you're lenient. Lenient. You give them the one zero. Now it's a flag. I think that'll be in baseball that they're not going, especially if it's bases loaded, two balls, three strike, uh, three balls, two strikes. Like I think there is going to be some room, but it is interesting. Are they going to be the same way in the NLDS game two of a series between two teams? Like how much more you know diligence are they going to be about this? Uh, I think you make a, some interesting points on on two fronts. I think one the the feel of it. I think as long as it's a wooden bat, nine guys on the field, a guy in the batter's box, and four balls, you get to go to first base, three strikes, you're out. Yeah, the of diamond course. will still be there. The, I think the that, green monster will still be in fun way. It's still baseball. I mm-hmm. think that'll never go away. I think when it starts changing is like in Futurama where there's a string on the ball. Blurns ball. Blurns <laughs> ball. You know, like that's like the yeah, football. Like here come the robots. Yeah, or exactly. Yeah. Well, they're coming. They're called umpires. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, but like to me, I get the sentiment of what you're saying. I think more importantly, I think it streamlines the game. It also 
even if all this is for night, it doesn't really mean anything because there's a chance none of this actually means anything. It puts them in the news. It makes it interesting where you have to kind of watch baseball the first few months to see how it changes, how it adapts, if these are actual changes that you'll see on both on the field and for entertainment. And that in itself is exciting because I think what's more important than just speeding up the game, making the game more exciting, the right teams need to be good. That's never going to change. Yeah, the Yankees got to be good. The Dodgers got to be good. The Braves have got to be good. Yeah, We know what it is. So, like, I think that... In itself, I also think the health thing is real. I think expanding, making the bases bigger is great. Like, I we use Chris Bryant as an example simply because of his strides mm-hmm. from home plate to first base, and then when he would make that cut from first to third, they're long strides. These dudes are huge. Like yeah. these are bigger athletes. So to make the base a little bit bigger, the way the contact will be made, just all that, I think it's better for ankles and it's better for mm-hmm. the defense. The defenseman, the first, the third baseman, the shortstop, the second baseman from getting hurt. So I'm with you on that. All of this might be totally normal to mm-hmm. you know children that are being uh, you know that are born right now. Yeah. You know, you ask them 40 years from now what's baseball. All of this will probably feel normal to them. Right. You know, and and I'm sure the game would look a lot different if you and I took a time machine and went back to those fields during the Civil War or sure. seeing the American Association in the late you know. 20th century or late, yeah, late uh, 19th century, you know, seeing um, the the dead ball era, you know, so th- there's been various, you know, iterations of the game of baseball. These are some heavy rule changes, but you and I weren't around in 1973, and I'm sure designated hitter was just devastating to yeah. some yeah. people. But and, and at the same time, I always loved how the leagues were different, where, you know, it felt like National League was trying to appeal to an older style of baseball, and the the American League was trying to be the Entertainment League, and that's kind of how it started. In 1901, it was kind of supposed to be the flashier league compared to the the old staunch, you know, National League. You know, so I, I kind of wish that in some ways, you know, and you could never do it with these types of rule changes. It'd be so drastic to have one league be like, okay, um, our pitchers can pitch whenever they feel like it, and uh, you know, position players can, and we're going to go 18 innings if we feel like going it. You know, versus. You know, okay, we got to put a runner on second. We got to, you know, we can't just have position players going into the game just because, you know. Um, Now, with the position player pitching thing, I get it. I totally get it. But at the same time, if the point was to increase offense and, like, you you know, the long ball, chicks dig the long ball, how many times have you seen some position player get rocked by someone? You know, so at the same time, usually when that happens, everyone's itching to get home and get out yeah, of there and move on. It's empty calories. Yeah, it is. You're it's right. empty calories. It is. Garbage time. Yeah. It's all that. Yeah. I get that, but I don't know, man. It just, it just feels like too many tweaks where it's like, was was the product that flawed to begin with? And I don't think so. No, I do think it's kind of the equivalent of a restaurant just putting a new paint job, changing up the menu a little bit. Because the, the game isn't changing. The stars are still the stars. You know, the Dodgers are still spending so much money. We'll see what the Padres do. Like, the ingredients are still there. The chef is still there. It's just kids aren't going so, okay, there. Okay, McDonald's would be a perfect, uh, you know, like just like Major League Baseball, McDonald's has been there for a long time. It's been there time for an hour. It's been a number one. So you think like, like okay, they still got French fries, but yeah, but they're not cooked in the beef tallow anymore. Yes. It's like yeah, the beef tallow, you know, it didn't appeal to people that are uh, have to have a halal diet or whatever. And that's you know, it's like, the thing. Oh man, all right, we got to appeal to everyone. All right, all right. And now they're becoming a much more hipster. You know, a local spot, and they're trying to, and I have to give them credit that they're doing something. You know, that they're trying to tweet the game. How much of this sticks, I don't know. My whole thing about the 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 runner in second has always been, you have nine innings, you should be able to score. If you can't, because it's inherently the game, you have the tenth inning, you have the eleventh inning. I believe starting in the twelfth inning of any Major League Baseball game. You should be having a uh, runner in second base. You're I don't gonna, think not in a playoff game. No, I think come playoffs, everything yeah. kind of. So you're saying like yeah. tweak the rule so it's not the tenth inning. No, it's, yeah. Let it let baseball be baseball. And I also think the rule that needs to be installed is the seven inning doubleheader. 
That needs to be completely installed. And if we want to reduce... Wait, 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 wait. wait. You, you want the seventh I inning? I want the se- seventh inning doubleheader. No, I don't want and that. And I want it one specific day. I want it one Sunday every month that every team plays a doubleheader Sunday. But then for the sake of competition, though, you've got to somehow balance that in a Dude, way. That's you know, not that's their ju- just Let against, them yeah, but, but like just against divisional opponents or just sure. against, against your interleague opponent. But we're never or, going you know from, what I'm saying? Of course, like, yeah. and it's smart. No, it's a great input, but I think my, my whole thing is we're never going to go from 162 to 152. We're never no, going to no, and that's, so and you that's need to do doubleheaders. It really should go back down to 154 because yeah. that's what it used to be. So go but, doubleheader. Yeah. Seven inning doubleheader. But, it's healthy. It's good for Sundays to turn around travel days, get these teams to play and get them going. And I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you on that. I, I guess I could see that, but it's, you know what I'm saying? For no, like for the, sure. the sake of for fair sure. competition or, you know, like they'd have to have it where just against your divisional opponents five times 100%. a year, you know, whatever it is. No know? doubt. I just think Let's think about stuff like that. Yeah. Let's 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 not just change for the sake of change, but if we're going to, let's have a reason behind it. And I think that's what's important about it. But uh, I, I've I've loved having this conversation with you because it's. It, again, it puts baseball in the zeitgeist of oh, let's see what they do, let's see what this baseball, the fandom, social media does with the free agency of Shohei Otani coming down, with so many teams up for sale, with the Cubs and White Sox locally can go any direction. Uh, the Bally Sports Regional uh, oh, deal uh, down yeah. by bankruptcy. So. And how that might affect blackout restrictions so we're, for, in a good way that we've complained about for, sure. for years. And it just goes into everything we're talking about where this is the moment now where also streaming. We saw what happened on Apple TV. We'll see what baseball does. We'll see if they're able to hold on to whatever status they are in the pantheon of major sports in the United States. Top sport behind the NFL in the United States, and that could fall apart. We've talked about and this. And I've it's, always thought it's the NBA. And it's not. And you, there's there's so many factors and numbers to prove it. The only thing I think you've shown me is, is social like media. Twitter. And, yeah, that's social it. media engagement. And then, then there becomes But that means the, something. That means the, something. That's where we all go full that circles. That does mean like, something. Even though financially mm-hmm. it's not there, that's, that's why I think you and I have kind of agreed that, like, mm-hmm. Any day now, the NBA is going to pass the MLB. And it won't look back. Like, it won't be a moment where, like, they're going to shoot yeah, themselves think, in yeah. the foot. Like, the NBA doesn't shoot themselves in the foot. I think, if way. anything, um, NFL and NBA have soccer to worry about. I think it's becoming more of a presence in the, the United other one? States. The other one? Formula One. Yeah, Formula One has a really good chance of of, of taking storm because Netflix inter- internationally, international, that's really big. But at Netflix the same time, thing. it's it's had a foothold in the United States for a while. We'll and see. Just, yeah, I think that's the I, what my thing is. I think that's the one. I think if anything, it'll probably for. like NASCAR goes down, Formula One, and goes that could be up. a thing too. And it's not yeah. like NASCAR's not huge in this country. I was in Florida for Christmas, but and it's like not that. As, it doesn't feel like it's as Speaking big as that, it Daytona used 5, to be. Daytona Five Hundred this coming up weekend, isn't it? So yeah, I mean, it just goes to show like it's still a still a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, but I but I've, I've been kind of hearing people. It's kind of like baseball, where you're like losing some of the yeah. old heads because it's not the same sport that it used to be. But you see how? I mean, I understand. I'm, I'm going to be 33 this year, but like we're still young enough. We're like, yeah, we care about baseball. The pro- the thing is, you got to get the 15 year old. Got to get the 15 year old yeah. to care. You got to get the TikTok generation to care. Which is why Fernando Tatis needs to play this season. Which is why Julio Rodriguez needs to be a star for Seattle. Which is why San Diego needs to pop. Which is why both the White Sox and Cubs Sho- need to be big. Shohei, Shohei uh, Aaron Judge. You go down the list. These dudes and baseball needs to do a great job right now with yeah. TV deals up with these new rule changes to make sure that they're taking advantage of that. With that, Paulie Dangerous is one of the best in the business. Baseball Weekend Journal, it is that time of year. It is his time of year. We know in March, madness is around that corner. The madness is just beginning for Paul Shivari. Pauly, you're going to be working on stuff? I'm going to be working on stuff. You know me. I'm yeah. following it all. Baseball Weekend Journal, make sure you guys are checking that out. Well, now that pitchers and catchers have reported, Devin, it's now going to be the season-long rant that we do about the White Sox. Are you excited now that they're back with a new manager, fresh face, running the whole thing? It's hard to be excited for this team, especially after the uh, you know poop parade that was last year's 2022 season, especially here, and that there's a good chance we might be down one starting pitcher already. The World Baseball Classic is going to be taking place next month. It It interrupts spring training for the guys that are participating. The White Sox have eight representatives, seven of which are probably going to make their opening day roster. How does that make you feel when you know that that many guys are going to be affected by leaving spring training and and going into another competition? 
it hurts a little bit here, especially because, you know, I don't know if you've been hearing, a lot of these players can't get World Baseball Classic insurance. They hurt themselves. That's out of their own pocket here. I don't know how that works out exactly, but I would imagine some injuries, the teams, you know, they're still under the, the property of their major league team. So I would think that any injuries that they have, of course, I could see any injuries in the World Baseball Classic. It could kind of scare off people from wanting to participate. It feels like this time around with, with at least the United States squad that, and I don't know, you know, we could throw up any other roster from years past, you know, 2006, 2009, 2013, 2017, and compare it to this roster. It feels like this roster has bigger stars, better players, where the United States looks like a powerhouse. I mean, they always look like the favorite going in, but this time they look like a really monster powerhouse squad going up against the likes of, you know, maybe the Dominican Republic who who kind of matches them, but more so than a Puerto Rico or even Cuba or Japan. I mean, we they always look like the powerhouse going in there, Paul Aceus, but just, you know, we're kind of seeing the point here. Guys like especially Miguel Cabrera is being told he can't play because he's uninsurable for this sort of thing here. That is what kind of does worry about me about the regular season here. If some of these guys play, don't get World Baseball Classic insurance, and the White Sox are down, you know, another few players. Because we learned last year, injuries can be a killer for a season, along with a bad manager. <laughs> yeah, well, now that all changes with uh, Pedro Grafal at the helm, it makes you feel a little bit better, I would hope, that, you know, you have um, more accountability. At least that's what they're preaching under Grafal's leadership, already it just seems like there's a difference just a few days in with just the atmosphere, I guess, at camp. And I think it's just because you have a hungry manager versus the old dinosaur last year and Tony LaRusso, who didn't have to impress anyone. You know, this is a guy in, in Grafal that's that's really auditioning for, you know, his team's um, trust and and I think just trying to prove that he can manage at the major league level because this is his first real big opportunity. Um, I'll, already, I just love some of the things that he's done. You know, just the way um, you know addressing the Mike Clevenger situation. Although uh, Rick Hahn and Mike Clevenger also uh, had a chance to speak before him, um, you know, and just kind of the way he's worked with some of the players, some of the players that he's talked to. Um, you know, he's high on on uh, Romy Gonzalez at second base this year. Um, I mean, I can't wait to see what it looks like, you know, in action when the season gets gets underway. But I, I'd like to say that there was already talent on this roster. Now, hopefully, this is the right guy to push the right buttons and get them working. But yeah, it doesn't help that while this is all happening, you have the World Baseball Classic and you have a lot of uh, a lot of White Sox players, a lot of key players. You know, Yohan Moncada, Aloy Jimenez, uh, Lance Lynn. Um, Tim Anderson, Kendall Graveman, Luis Robert, Jose Ruiz. You know, like when you look at Robert Moncada Jimenez, those and and Anderson, those four guys, if you would have said in 2017-2018 that would be the next World Baseball Classic participants from the White Sox, you'd think, "Oh my gosh, that's like our entire, you know, our entire team." And then, you know, if Jose Abreu still played for the White Sox, he's also going to be there as well. I'm sure that probably would have been the case if he was still in a White Sox uniform. That's a lot of representation, and that's great as a White Sox fan. But at the same time, if any one of these guys gets hurt, like you were talking about, or even if it just kind of affects their development this year, that can only be detrimental to the team. Or even even tweaking something like an injury where they miss the first month of the season. You know, those types of things can have an impact. But then you couple that with Lance Lynn and now Kendall Graveman. You look at a guy like Kendall Graveman. If Liam Hendricks didn't get non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, maybe you're not as worried about Graveman participating. But now that Graveman is looked upon to be the closer this year, even if they go closer by committee, Graveman is still an important piece to that bullpen. If he gets injured, just think if he can't even start the first few games of the season, who's closing for the White Sox? Is it Aaron Bummer? Good old Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly? And see, Joe Kelly... Let's hope he has command of of you know his his stuff this year because he was so wild and rampant and hit or miss. You know you had you had really good performances by Kelly last year, but you had some 
awful performances by Kelly last year. I only remember the awful performances, Paul. <laughs> That's just I'm gonna be completely honest. I'm like, there were good ones, really? Yeah, there are a think. few good ones. They were few and far between compared to the awful ones. But uh, Kelly has good stuff, just bad, bad command, bad control. Um, you know, we'll see if he can put that together this year. It's it's a brand new outlook. You know, I of course it seems like it could be a lot of the same. It, it seems like it could be um, you know, what why get your hopes up once again? But they always had the talent. It was just a matter of trying to get the talent to all be clicking at the same time. And you gotta have hope right now. That's all you can have in the spring, even though it's not even technically spring yet. That's all you can have is just hope for the upcoming season. And I like where the White Sox are going right now. I don't have much hope, Paul, and that's just because I've been a fan of this team my whole life. <laughs> Well, I guess we'll leave it at that, and we'll send it over to Mercado, who's going to have some good stuff to say about the NBA All-Star Weekend. The NBA All-Star Game is starting up in Utah this weekend. Sunday will be the culmination of all the big stars coming down to Salt Lake. And we will maybe see a Chicago Bull who wasn't on the court the last few games. The Chicago Bulls who are in a huge losing streak. The Chicago Bulls who are making my hair gray. The Chicago Bulls are frustrating all of us here in Chicago. Every NBA lover. We are here on the Sports Cubicle. It's the Marvel one, Dan Marver, Devin Single, Paul Shavari throughout the entire show. I'm Mike Mercado. And yeah, we have finally made it to all-star weekend for all the people who love the association and a lot of things have kind of stayed the same for the Chicago Bulls even worse this losing streak six straight games heading into the all-star break and it's not looking good DeMar has not been playing and they are giving up big leads there's a lot we're gonna have to get into I'm angry Marver but we get to the all-star break and uh, your thoughts on it's not the first half. The first half has already come and gone, but we've made it to the all-star break. I mean, where are you at this point post trade deadline? We talked all about that a few episodes ago. How are you feeling right now? I'm a little disappointed that we were talking about how the uh, playing games work. And that may be uh, a moot point with regard to the bulls <laughs> because um, I mean, losing the bucks, is, is one thing, you know, 112 to 100 was their last game. But the streak with the Pacers and the Magic and the Cavs and the Nets, and they play the Nets again the next game that they play, and the Grizzlies. I mean, the last win was against the Spurs, who are about the worst team in the league. So um, it's not looking good. We've talked about what's going on. They don't, they, they, they have, the team is talking about the fact that they have no, chemistry and no organization or something. I don't even know what they're talking about. You'd think that they have a plan, obviously, and the plan isn't working <laughs> very well uh, with regard to winning games. So it's very discouraging. And I mean, I almost sense a little disharmony at this point in time, which is also going to affect their ability to win, I think. So I think what's frustrated me the most is the messaging the last few weeks of whether it's been AK who's done a couple of media things, the very rare media that this front office has done. And it was, by the way, Phil Epstein was on the score and it was such a re it was so refreshing to hear him back on the radio because there's so much transparency. They don't give you the entire portfolio, but they let you in on the base that you need to know. And you don't get that from the Chicago bulls right now. And, you know, they talk about they were going to use as, as of the trade deadline, which was 28 games of evaluation. What else do you need to see? You've seen it all. You've seen how this team acts without DeMar. The ball does get around better. But there's still no offense around Zach Levine where it's kind of, it's kind of elevating his, his best features. We also have realized that Zach isn't the one, and we're going to get to that in a little bit because I did some, uh, so I did some writing, marvelous one. We're going to get into Zach Levine standing in the entire NBA, but more than anything, we know the big blemish on this team is shooting three pointers. Before we press record on on this segment, you brought it up, 
And it's been something we've been talking about for months. Not only don't they make enough, they don't shoot enough. And, you know, there's something about Russell Westbrook coming to the Bulls. Like, it'd be nice. Yeah, he'll take the threes. He won't make them. But what's more interesting is, is he going to be the kick in the butt for this roster? I don't know. Because I don't know what's the motivation for this team. What is the direction for this team? They're not bad enough to tank. And they're not good enough to win. So you're back in basketball purgatory. And you have a lot of money on the books and you kept the guy that now you have to sign. Otherwise, what are you going to do? A sign and trade? Why couldn't you do that in a few weeks ago? And are, is this all just leading to we're going to trade Zach this offseason? And this is that's where it becomes very frustrating. Now, Marvelous, I, I, I want to run this by you. I, I've seen this as a, a just, you know, we, we, we want to be fair, right? Like, we praise this team when they're good and we're critical when they're bad. And the one thing that is just so apparent to me is as much as they may like each other they and they're all good dudes, they're all upstanding citizens, the chemistry between the Mar, Zach, and Nicola isn't working. And that combination isn't helping nurture and mature Patrick Williams. Io seems to be the only one who has kind of gravitated towards this group and has taken another step. Have you seen that observation? Have you seen that with this three good NBA players would make any team better if they were on other rosters, but together it just doesn't seem to be working. That's correct. Uh, We've talked about the fact that for the future, the big so-called big three won't be here for sure. One way or the other, (laughs) whether they, uh, they go somewhere else, or uh, or they you know get older, so they got to start thinking about how to handle that. And you know the funny thing is, is that uh, you know even with the improvement against the Pacers, they were fifteen to thirty five from three pointers, which is 429 percent. So that's pretty good. So I mean even that within a slight improvement in that, it hasn't resulted in Ws. And and I get I must go back thinking about it to their defense because they'll give up such a big lead is a defensive failure, it seems to me, more than more than an, an offensive impotence, if you will. So um, I, I think that their defense is suspect as well. I think their defensive efficiency is not just because they don't have the right dudes, because they don't, right? Like, DeMar isn't a defensive wizard. Zach isn't a defensive. They don't have those guys, right? Like, Vooch rebounds to, rebounds very well. He puts himself in, right, in, in decent positions, but if there's a dominant center, and there's a lot of them in the Eastern Conference, he's not stopping anybody. I think it's the efficiency. I think what it is is the way in the flow of the game affects the defense for this team. You know, here's the thing. I think the way these defensive numbers look better, these rebounds look better, offensive rebound, defensive rebound, all this stuff, the little stuff that ends up being the big picture when it's on defense, these hustle stats, if you will, is flow of the game. You can't be trading twos for threes. You're out of it. You're always playing catch up. You're always catching up to the deep, to the offense on fast breaks. You're never in the right position. If you've ever noticed when the bulls are able to control the game, that's when they look their best because they're controlling the tempo of the game. That's not how what happened in most aspects, most matchups. That's not the case. The Bulls did not do enough this offseason, And we saw it even bringing in Dragic, even bringing in Drummond. We saw it this offseason. Knowing from what happened last year, the Jekyll and Hyde season that was last season, this team had one big efficiency that was lacking, and it was three points, not only three-point attempts, three-point mains, it was the threat of a three-point shooter. They don't have that. They don't have a two-and-D player. They don't have – and, the you know, and I hate to be hard on – you know, he's he has taken steps to develop, but – You invested a lot in draft capital and in hopes that Patrick Williams would be that fourth dude that would be able to take over games. And he hasn't been able to. And I think that's where it's, it's really a, a, the, the, the roller coaster got derailed. The train got, you know, delayed because the train tracks are frozen. Like 
it has been just obstruction over obstruction over obstruction. And I don't want to lose sight that they don't have their point guard. The guy that they tampered with to then bring into this season. They don't have him. And we've been on it. He's not playing this season. So they've always been behind the eight ball. They've always been a watch. So with all that in mind, they didn't tank. They didn't blow it up. And then they didn't re they didn't ensure themselves that if he didn't play, they would have the proper point guard for the season. And everybody wants to say that we know the Reinsdorfs will go into the tax if they feel it was a winner. So what is this team? If it's not a winner, what are you doing? Marvelous. I want to run this by you because we're talking about this roster. I did some old school. That's right. Onto paper. Onto paper. <laughs> I did a top list of NBA players. I'm just going to run through them. I'm not, we're not going to have to go all through it, but I just going, I've been frustrated just thinking. I'm like, man, I like Zach. I like DeMar, but where are they? How much can they do? You watch these other teams. You're like, yeah, we got the Bulls. We as a fan base have really nice players, but it's not that. And just this is the list before you get to the Bulls. And I'm missing dudes because this was just spur of the moment when I printed this out. Giannis, Joker, Luca, Durant, LeBron, Steph, Embiid, Tatum, Morant, even Kyrie Irving. We'll see how it plays out in, in Dallas. Butler went healthy. Kawhi. Booker, Trey, Lillard, Mitchell. We're already at 16 by the time we get to Mitchell. Mitchell might be higher on the list. Paul George, Bam, Chris Paul, Zion, Jalen Brown, Shane uh, Gillis-Alexander, James Harden, Kyle Anthony Towns. Then we get to DeMar. Then we get to Zach. I mean, Bradley Beal, Chris Middleton, LaMelo, Pascal Siakam, Anthony Edwards. Like, where they could fall even further. That's where this team is. They didn't even bring up Brandon Ingram. Like, there is, it, it, to me, it is the worst position they could be in. Marvelous, what do you think? Well, it's a, an excellent list. And the only, speaking of stuff, it's uh, interesting to note the Golden State Warriors are 28 and 28 and they're a playing team. So, so sometimes what did I tell you, what have I been the, telling everybody? It's it's the what was the Brady uh, Patriots effect, then the Brady effect, and now the Mahomes effect. If the Warriors are in it and if their road is just a slim easier than it could be, they're cruising to an NBA Finals. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, when you talk about the Bulls, I mean, their first draft pick from Arizona, I mean, the Elon Terry actually scored 16 points in the last game in 27 minutes. So, I mean, by the fact that they were shorthanded, they started using him. So, I mean, this is your future, I have to think. Uh, you know, their draft picks, and they'll obviously bring in other people uh, to replace what whatever's lost. But now... <laughs> I had last time we were talking about, oh, they can get a play in when it's one of those goofy series where you just have to win one or two games and get in the right in the, in the, in the eight and then see what happens after that against one of the top four. But it's, um, it looks like it's falling apart five in a row. I mean, it's, uh, it's uh, almost uh, disastrous. And it looks like there was a mistake made by not doing something because the, the hand they've got is not going to win any poker games. <laughs> I mean, you look at somebody like SGA, who was drafted, I think, after Wendell Carter, who's not even on the roster anymore, who flourished after the Bulls. Laurie Marketing. I think, I don't know how much it correlates because I think they were good players. It was just, it, it just didn't work out in Chicago. But the development of a Dalen Terry, a Patrick Williams, a Kobe Wyatt, an Io is so important because they don't have that transcendent player. And we have to go back to, you know, I, I will go back to it when it was Zach this offseason. Did the Bulls outbid themselves? Yeah, they had no choice. Zach Levine put the Bulls and this front office in a position where they had to sign him to that deal. He played himself. He earned the right to that deal. They, I don't think they believed he was going to. 
I think they were going to try not to give him the Supermax. I think they were okay with giving him the Max, but I don't think they want to give him the Supermax. And you couldn't capitalize on the Mars MVP-esque season. So it's all kind of, it's always been a short window. The idea was always that this was a bridge from Vooch and DeMar for Zach to kind of take over. And then you would have the finished development of a Patrick Williams and some of these other guys that you have. That's not the case now. And in the NBA, you get stuck to contracts. If you're not careful, you're not able to move these contracts. And a lot of these dudes are talented, but it's not, it's sometimes the mix. It's sometimes the coaching staff. And it's something you got to keep your eye on to see What's going to happen this upcoming offseason? And we're here on the Sports Cubicle breaking down the Chicago Bulls as we are at the All-Star break. The NBA greats are heading to Salt Lake City. You know, it is Michael's 60th birthday this weekend, and uh, Salt Lake means a lot to the city of Chicago. But we are breaking down everything, the NBA and the Chicago Bulls. It's the marvelous one, Dan Marver. It's Devin Tingle and Paul Shavari throughout the entire show. I'm Mike Mercado. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV. And Marvelous, I think they are trading Zach this coming up offseason. If yeah. you had to guess, the rest of the way the season is playing out, are the Bulls in the draft, wherever I don't even know where they end up. I'm gonna we're gonna be looking into this depending on how the exclusive streaks are. But let's just say for sake of argument, are they in the draft or are they in the play-in? <laughs> well, I'm gonna say knowing the Bulls will be almost like neither. They'll end up 11th or 12th. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So they won't get one of the top five picks, and they won't be in the play-in. So that's that's what I expect to happen. Unfortunately, I mean, and it's realistic because that's where they are right now. And they um, can't. I mean, they could drop much further. I suppose they could go fall behind Washington. That, that wouldn't be too hard. Orlando. So I mean, they could get close to. But right now, I think Houston or San Antonio is a lock on the first draft pick. <laughs> yeah, because they, yeah, they're, they're, maybe Houston. They haven't, they haven't got. Yeah, they haven't gotten the twenty wins yet. Either one of them. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Uh, do you? Let me ask you this. This <laughs> is kind of the big last thing that I've just been stewing on for the last, you know, few weeks, the front office hasn't done enough bad for me to want them out. And I do think stability is a big thing. I thought John, uh, I thought Pax was a really good general manager for a while. I thought Foreman was garbage, you know? Yeah. He was an executive. He was with the family. I thought he was the, the weak link the entire time. And you just saw the regime kind of take a nosedive with him in that lead role. I think that there is something to this front office. I do think this front office is intelligent. I think they've missed. I think both things can be true. I think they could be a front office with a lot of potential, a lot of good ideas, still some good vibes. But they squandered those good vibes and they've made some bad moves. All that can be true. And it leaves me in, in a position where I'm like, I don't know if there's any good replacements out there. I don't know if there's any tried and true ways that you can build from within the organization like you were able to in the NBA back in the day where it was a little bit more insulary and like the way it is in the NFL where it's just such a fast turnaround. You know, this is an infrastructure thing. I think this might take some time. I think it's important that they, they also do do right by DeMar and Zach, because if you don't, you're going to get that reputation that Garpax had. And you can't afford the Jerry Krause, John Paxson, uh, Gar Foreman effect. You already have it with Jerry. You know, you're hoping Michael takes a lot of that, that pressure off. But I mean, where, where are you on that when it comes to the front office and the idea where they do have to be delicate because it isn't the easiest sale to bring high name free agents to deal with some of these other teams to move draft picks with other teams. If you're this bulls front office. Well, suppose, I mean, supposedly according to reports, the, the bulls were in conversations during this trade deadline, but nothing happened. So maybe the things that were discussed would have, you know, helped or not helped. We'll never know. So, there is the issue of transparency, obviously, and uh, so we don't really know 
what the plan is as a result. <laughs> and uh, so that leaves a lot of us in limbo as to how to feel about the Bulls going forward. But be that as it may, I mean, the, the, they're going to obviously be, be playing with this team, it appears, for the remainder of the season. And uh, if they're in this, you know, zone of <laughs> mediocrity where they're going to get maybe a fifth or sixth draft pick and that being the plan, that's the worst combination. I mean, I mean, look at what they, I mean, their draft pick last year was, was, was Terry. So, I mean, it's, it's not somebody that's necessarily going to step in right away anyway. So it looks like they might have to use some of the salary money that they're going to lose. Zach, for example, to, uh, to bring in another free agent. And that's the way you win in the NBA. It's, it's almost that way in college now because, you know, you get your graduate students for their one year and, and, and it's, it's crazy. So um, the NBA is about the same way. You may get a guy for a couple of years and then you have to get another guy. There's, you know, you can't, you're not going to build any, any relationship with the fans with long-term people anymore in the NBA. So that's just the way it is. They're going to have to get some new people in and get another rookie and uh, see how that chemistry is, because this chemistry is no good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the ingredients are working. Like, all the ingredients are fresh. They all look pretty delicious. They should make a good pizza, a good lasagna, a good tor- uh, torta, tostada, whatever you want to be, right? But it's just not mixing right. And I'll say this much, right? Like, if you're the Bulls, there's two ways you could go about this. You blow the whole thing up, you get a bunch of draft picks, and you try to one-day hit and get – your guy, get your Giannis, get your Embiid, get the type of potential that we'll see with Wembenyamba, like whatever, right? Or you could go down the road and you could be like, is Minnesota going to give up on Anthony Edwards because they have so much money tied up with other people? Can you find your Devin Booker? Can you get DeAndre Aiden? Can you get somebody from another team and bring him in? And my goal was always, my hope was always Donovan Mitchell, but that was the guy and a, a team within your own division, a divisional rival scoops them up. And I think that there is two ways that they could go about it, but the road that they're on right now is not the way to do it. Cause you're leading to a whole lot of nowhere and it's just a big circle. So I'm a, I'm a little, I'm a little worried about that, but there are ways to get themselves out. It's just, Bulls fans, unfortunately, this isn't the NFL, right? Where the Bears can hit on everything that's coming up offseason and win 11 games and win the NFC North. That doesn't happen in the NBA. That doesn't happen in Major League Baseball. You have to be in the right position to sometimes arrive early. You have to have hit on the right amount of people. The auxiliary players have to be the correct guys. Your coaching staff has to be on par. Your front office has to be checking their uh, eyes and dotting their eyes and slashing their T's, right? Like they have to be making sure they're doing all of that. That It's not the NFL. So this is going to be a process. But Marvelous, we're heading into the All-Star Weekend. Any final thoughts? Uh, You know, I'm not going to – I don't care about the All-Star game. It's just nice that, you know, it's a thing for people who like it. But any final (laughs) thoughts? The Bulls, the NBA, heading into All-Star Weekend. (laughs) They should, they should do like in the NFL and maybe play play shirts and skins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Like yeah, the YMC, Like at the there, YMCA. You know, the Marvelous, is there any, you know, it was cool. It was a cool novelty back in the day when there wasn't a lot on television and yeah. there wasn't a lot of sports and we weren't just gluttonous on content, but there is no really need for mm-hmm. all-star festivities minus mm-hmm. selling mm-hmm. tickets and getting merchandise, right? Right. That's true, except except we we had that in Chicago uh, a few years ago for the to start the COVID spread. So, well, okay, <laughs> it's funny you say that the super spreader that was the United Center for yeah. All Star Weekend. That's really what changed the direction of the Chicago Bulls because they didn't have an All Star. They were the laughing stock of the NBA. They were one of the sad teams of the NBA, and now they're one of the empathetic teams in the NBA right now. Everybody keeps saying it. You you hear it if you listen to podcasts, what mainstream, here locally, wherever. There are a few sleeping giants in the NBA, and one of them are the Chicago Bulls. The idea of one day in the next, hopefully, century, 
that the Chicago Bulls and the New York Knicks can meet in a conference finals? Like, you don't think the NBA wants that? You don't think that they're clamoring for the idea of watching that kind of game play out? <laughs> that And so it's just, it's got to get together. I think that Chicago, Marvelous, we'll leave it on this one because now I'm going to start ranting, okay? <laughs> we forget that we live in Chicago. And if you don't, you're in the Chicago land area. If not, you're in the suburbs of Chicago. If not, then you're in the suburbs. If not, you're in the state of Illinois, especially if you're in the northern state, right? Anything north of Springfield, let's just say. You forget that you're the, the second city, the third largest market, the millions of people living in your city. You live in one of the world's best cities. All the, you know, the narratives from all your political sides aside. It's a world-class city. There is no excuse that one of the foundations, we wouldn't accept this, and we, you know, we're seeing it now how much our trains have suffered, our art exhibits have suffered, our our public services and our public, what should be like the Lincoln Park Zoo now that they're renovating all this, right? We wouldn't accept that. We shouldn't accept it from our entertainment and our sports teams. Don't let them off the hook. This is the Chicago Bulls. This is the Chicago Bulls. This is Chicago. Don't don't allow people that are asking you for money for subpar product. You wouldn't go to the art museum, the field museum, whatever, for a subpar product. Don't do that for this, for these entities as well. But Marvelous, we'll see how they bounce back. We'll find out how they bounce back. Next time we'll be ranting about baseball, Uh, you know, you know, I'm a new school guy, so I'm all about the change. I know you're iffy yeah. on it. I promise yeah, you we're going to break all that down in the next few weeks. But until then, make sure you guys are following us on Twitter at SportsKeepItGoTV. It's the marvelous one, Dan Marbert. It's Devin Tingle. It's Paul Shavari. I'm Mike Mercado. That will do it for the Sports Cubicle. I want to thank you for listening. For Devin Tingle, Mike Mercado. And Dan Marver, I'm Paul Shavari. Thank you for listening. You're listening to WCPT 820, where facts matter. Santita starts your morning off at 6 a.m. So long. So long.